You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. And away we go. It's another edition of the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show. My name is Pete Sweeney. I'm the editor-in-chief of ArrowheadPride.com. Joined once again by my esteemed deputy editor, John Dixon. John, Happy New Year. What resolution are we working with this year? Do we have anything going? I have a, I have a few suggestions for Andy Reid. But, uh, but beyond that, I, I, I'm not a big believer in resolutions. So. That is a, a hot take I've, I have found. I've seen that a couple times on TV. I've seen it in self-help articles as the new year had, has been crossing. Resolutions are very much out right now. Yeah. yeah, People are saying that if you're going to do something, it shouldn't matter what day it is. That's the new hot take. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm, you know, maybe, maybe I'm going to give a marinated takeaway here. I like resolutions, right? It gives you, gives you an opportunity to, to start over, start anew. No, we're not. All right. We'll, we'll get off. Res- I read an article the other day where it's, it's recommended rather than a resolution, but to choose rather than doing that, choose a growth word for the year. And it describes is, this process where you, you know, work your way down to what the growth word should be. Like I have two growth words and then I need to get away from it. It's always hungry. I just feel like I'm always <laughs> Hungry. Yeah, I'm not so, sure that's what they were talking about, but whatever the opposite is of that, I think is my my word for the year. <laughs> Speaking of the new year, and we are going to get into the show. We got a lot of good things to talk about. 27 and 24 victory for the Chiefs. We'll get into the playoff picture right away here. John is a a now self proclaimed, and I'm going to proclaim him that too. Playoff picture expert. So we'll we'll get the breakdown there. Segment two, we'll have our world famous marinated takeaways, and then segment three, we will round up the news as we enter here 2023. But first things first, usually this would be the portion of the podcast where we would read reviews. But the fact of the matter is too many reviews came in. We'd be <laughs> we'd be doing it for 10 minutes. Uh, I, I came up with this thing because Steve, who's done a really good job rebuilding this Arrowhead Pride podcast network, wanted 1000 reviews. I said to myself, Steve, what can I do for you? And there were about 930-ish at the beginning of December. We got it to about 969, 970 last week. And I said that if there were 1,000 reviews on Apple iTunes before the new year, I would eat an ice cream cake on this show. I was talking about this very show, but as it turns out, some things have happened. We have the Saturday game. So we are rescheduling the cake episode. It's going to be next week, January 9th. The editor's show, I will eat an entire ice cream cake. One of the reviews also said that I would have to drink an energy drink. I will have a Red Bull with me. I will have a Dairy Queen ice cream cake. Steve's going to join the show for the full duration because I'm going to have ice cream in my mouth. But on December 29th, it didn't even take till December 31st. You guys had 1,001 reviews. And I stand here today on January 2nd, 2023, and we have 1,022 reviews. And a lot of you wrote in. 
many of you just threw in five stars, but we have a lot to read. And so not to bog down, this is still a Chiefs mm-hmm. podcast, not to bog down the podcast with all these ice cream reviews. We'll read each and every review from the past two weeks at the end of next week's episode if I have not passed out due to having too much sugar in one single hour because I will be eating a full ice cream cake next editor's show. So thank you to everybody Still, for Yeah, it gives me an extra week to find a newlywed cake roll. So that's good. Right. John is is being a good good friend and good co-pilot here <laughs> and is going to be eating some kind of cake as well. Um amazing. Honestly amazing and we couldn't do it. it's probably a good good time to say we couldn't do it without the listeners couldn't do it yes. without the readers so forever grateful for you guys out there sharing your love for the kansas city chiefs speaking of those, those chiefs I, I had mentioned a 20 to 7 24 win over the denver broncos the denver broncos i, I know they lost both games but they got to be wishing at this point that they played the chiefs every week i feel like they have their best games against kansas city i know that they were able <laughs> to actually get some wins this year and that hasn't happened against kansas city but they just look like a different team when they play the Chiefs, I think a lot of teams can say that it seems like the Chiefs raise the stakes when it comes to a, a matchup with them. And John, regardless of it, maybe not being the most satisfying complete win for the Chiefs, like we saw maybe last week against the Seattle Seahawks is a win nonetheless. And what it's put the Chiefs in is a position to still grab that number one seed. Yeah. And let, with that, let's talk about the playoff picture. It's the Bills and the Bengals on Monday Night Football with huge AFC implications. Yeah, tonight's game between those two teams, the leaders of two different AFC divisions, uh, has huge implications uh, for the Chiefs and, of course, those teams as well. Um, So it kind of works out like this. All three of these teams are pushing to win their last two games of the season, okay? The, The Bengals and the Bills still have two to play. The Chiefs have already won their first game of two. If the Bills win two in a row, then they get the first round by because they have it now, okay? And they'll they'll take it home with them uh, if they win their next two games. If the Chiefs win their next two games, they will get the first round by if the Bills lose one of those games. That could be on Monday night. If the Bengals win their last two games, they will need the Chiefs to lose a game. And they will also need, well, the Chiefs have to lose to the Raiders in order for the Bengals to win the first round seed. And then if they win out, um, then the Bengals will get the first, the number one uh, seed in the playoffs. It's, It's just crazy. I and, saw and some, I, yeah, go ahead. I saw some confusion with this because as it has turned out now and it's been announced, the Chiefs will be playing on Saturday, mm-hmm. Saturday at 3.30 Arrowhead time. And right. I, I did see that a lot of Chiefs fans were upset about this because they believe this, this provides a slight advantage to Buffalo and the idea of potentially resting starters. But I even think in a scenario in which, say, the Bengals were to pull off the upset tonight and mm-hmm. then the Chiefs were to take care of business against the Raiders, the Bills would still have to play to win on Sunday to maintain possibly the two seed because, mm-hmm. right? you know, you think about it in, in a scenario that includes the Chiefs getting the bye and then the Bills and the Bengals, 
the Bills and the Bengals can still match up in the playoffs. What the Bills will be playing for is that game being in Buffalo instead of Cincinnati. And you talk about right. having just lost in Cincinnati. That's going to be something worth playing for. And so regardless of the circumstances, the Bills are really still have to win that game on Sunday, especially if the Kansas City Chiefs were to win, which we all kind of assume. Now, I guess there is a scenario in which the Bills could win tonight, and then if the Chiefs were to get upset, then I believe they could rest their starters. But I just – I don't see that that scenario necessarily yeah, playing I, out I for – I didn't – it's complicated enough without going into those kinds of scenarios. We don't want the a, article to be a thousand, you know, a no. thousand words, right? And And people think it gets too complicated, even as it is. But one of the things I find interesting, a lot of people have brought up because they don't want to root for the Bengals, <laughs> which I think is I understand why people feel that way. And they don't want to root for the Bills either. So root for a tie. Well, actually, that would be a pretty good outcome. If Monday's game ends in a tie, the Chiefs would still have to beat the Raiders to get the first seed unless the Bills lose in week 18. Okay. If that were to happen and Monday night's game was a tie, then it doesn't matter what the Chiefs do in week week 18. And this is why the Chiefs are playing on Saturday, because they won't know the result of Buffalo's final game. And, you know, as we expect, the NFL wants Patrick Mahomes and his teammates to be, you know, all in. Uh, in the final game of the season, especially since it's going to be a nationally televised game. And yeah. so that's why the Chiefs are playing on Saturday, because it matters and, a lot. And I think the NFL, regardless of, of the outcomes, especially if the Chiefs win, which we expect, right. if the Bills and Bengals play at the same time, then you'll see both teams playing their players because yeah. mm-hmm. there will still be things to play for. Right. Anyway, regardless, it's pretty simple tonight. I know you. some people are rooting for a tie. You got to root for the Bengals tonight. <laughs> that's the <laughs> that's the truth of it. It's it's swallowing it and 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 you know just having to root for a team that that seems to have your number. I I think the Bengals will win. I I I feel pretty good about that. I mm-hmm. I don't think Buffalo is the same team that they've been Earlier in the year, and I think Cincinnati actually is the reverse of that. Cincinnati yeah. wasn't as good as they are, uh, and they're playing at home. And I, I'm right. surprised the the spread is a, is as close as it is. I'm gonna I'm gonna take a quick look at that because I we have our friends at at DraftKings Sportsbook that that do this uh, do this for a reason. Uh, the one that popped up right away is Patrick Mahomes is the minus 800 favorite right now for MVP. Pretty much a done deal unless something miraculous were to happen with Joe Burrow. But John, the the spread tonight is Buffalo minus two and a half as we record oh, at twelve fifty five p.m. That's on a point the road. more than it was earlier. It was one and a half earlier. You know, today. That means the sharp betters are coming in and putting their money behind Buffalo. We'll see how it goes. We asked the poll on Twitter, which we will cover at the end of this show, a a flash poll. But that's your playoff picture right now in the AFC. Pretty simple: Bengals win tonight, uh, the Chiefs win on Saturday, or um, the bill if where the Bills were to win and then the Chiefs win on Saturday, the, the, the Chiefs would also have to root for the, the New England Patriots. So really no good scenario at this stage when it comes to having to root for these teams. Right. But well, they're never why, And that's why you maybe don't fumble the ball as much as you did against the <laughs> Indianapolis Colts. Right. <laughs> we yes, talked about how right. <laughs> we talked about how that game is on on Saturday now, which speeds everything up. So the way the schedule will work. 
this week is we get Andy Reid on Tuesday. So no Andy Reid on Monday. So we won't have that Andy Reid segment we usually do. So we'll get him first on Tuesday. And then the press conferences will continue Wednesday, Thursday. It's a quiet day on Friday. And then Saturday, 3.30 p.m. in the early slot. It's the Chiefs visiting the Raiders. The only difference here is that the Raiders looked really good uh, mm-hmm. uh, yesterday. Jared Stidham took over for Derek Carr. And I, I think a lot of us, when they made that change, were assuming, well, that's the white flag. Feels like the opposite. Feels like they're really going to be pushing to at least try to get one more win. And this would be a, a spoiler moment. It's a guy in Jared Stidham who is playing for his career. And he looked pretty good with Devontae Adams. And Devontae Adams looked pretty good. They almost were able to upset the San Francisco 49ers, who are considered the team you don't want to play in the N- NFC. And this game went to overtime. So I, I have been incorrectly predicting that the Chiefs would finally blow out a team for several weeks now <laughs> and i know what's going to happen here john i'm going to write it'll be a close game and then finally we'll get the blowout on saturday that that this is how this goes for me uh yeah i don't think so no you think it's <laughs> going to be close right? yeah i saw that well, you put that in your prediction I don't, I don't think it'll be i don't think it'll be a uh i don't think it'll be a close game necessarily but i don't think it's going to be a blowout you're, you're predicting you think it's going to be sticky and the chiefs win but it yeah. you know, maybe by 10 at the end, you know, a little bonus touchdown at the end. It, yeah. It's not going to be a completely easy run. I, I don't see how it would be. The Raiders uh, are tough. I, I think they played um, underwhelming first couple of weeks. They got in too big of a hole, and that's that. But, uh, again, if the season were any longer, which we, we certainly don't want, 17 games is enough, then yeah. maybe the Raiders would find themselves back in the mix. Yeah. All right, it's the Chiefs and Raiders on Saturday night. We got the big Bills and, and Bengals game tonight and we will see how it all goes we'll keep you updated arrowheadpride.com when we come back it's the chiefs and broncos marinated takeaways you're listening to the arrowhead pride editor show support for this show comes from sylvan learning as a parent you want your child to have every opportunity but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge that takes a team now more than ever educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Well, I'm going to let this marinate. You know, let that one marinate, and then we can circle back. Adapt. React. Readapt. Takes time. It takes years. (laughs) That's the takeaway. Back here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show, and you know those sweet, sultry tunes, what they mean. That's time (laughs) for the world-famous marinated takeaways. The Chiefs kept it interesting against the Denver Broncos for the second straight time as they were 
blowing their their lead potentially in this one, John, it was a, a little bit more worrisome because you didn't have that 27-point cushion. It was 6-3 <laughs> when they started turning the football over. And so uh, you saw a, a another tough game against the Denver Broncos, and we can take certain things away as we look for, to, toward the playoffs here. Two weeks to go un, until the postseason. What is your initial marinated takeaway from this 27-24 win? I don't understand why the Chiefs didn't run the ball more. Mm. I really don't. I mean, we talked about this last week in this yeah. segment of the show where in recent weeks the Chiefs have been um, running the ball a little bit more frequently uh, than they have in the first part of the season or as they have typically done under head coach Andy Reid. And uh, the numbers may be a little different. I haven't got. I haven't worked on the snap counts yet, which is where I typically get these numbers that I've been tracking. But just off the the regular pl- uh, stat sheet, it looks like a, a running percentage of twenty eight percent, which is close to the lowest of the season. It's not quite the lowest, but it's close to that. And um, there's like I think one game where that was lower than that for reasons that are yet unclear. But I just don't understand why they've when they've got McKinnon and Pacheco playing so well that uh, as a team, as a duo, um, that they're not willing to to trust it a little bit more than they have been. And I get that part I'm... of the trouble is that they got behind earlier than they anticipated, but they've shown they can be they can move the move the ball when they're run more. I just don't get it. I'm with you 100%, and I'm not going to say that this is isolated to Isaiah Pacheco, but this was a question that I asked him directly, and I think all running backs feel this way for for what it's worth, but just the difference between carry two or three versus carry nine or ten. And this is a a runner that needs carries to get into a rhythm. And usually when he gets in that rhythm, you look up and he's running for five yards a tick, and he just wasn't able to – he didn't have enough opportunities. And you had situations where they're in the red zone, and they're not – running it at all you're forcing the the passing and look you have the ultimate passing weapon so this is such a a catch-22 conversation all the time you can't take the ball so much out of Patrick Mahomes hands which which I I get but I I'm with you how many times do I have to say it I I say it constantly you probably are like Pete shut up you're a broken record but it's like when they remember they can run the football there's just such a cleaner more in rhythm offense it just it's that that eye, eye test where you're just like, oh, yeah, the Chiefs are cooking today. And they got away from the run, and Denver was able to curb it to an extent and keep themselves in the game. I mean, this was a 17-13 game against the Broncos where they were winning late in the third quarter. That's too close. That That's too scary. Mm-hmm. I, I understand it's a division game, and they're going to they're, they're gonna keep it close. But to need to rally back in the fourth quarter, the, the Chiefs didn't retake the lead until the fourth quarter, and, and then finally they, they never looked back because they were able to build a 10-point lead. But. Just not good, and uh, and I think the offense is still looking to find that that complete performance, uh, especially late in the year, that'll give you confidence in the postseason. That I don't want to say that it is necessarily going to be the thing that that knocks the Chiefs out, but it having so many inferior opponents at the end here is just I don't like it. I, I just mm-hmm. because you're going to yeah. get to the first game, especially if you are able to get the bye, you're going to go. I'm going to pull it up here for a second here. You're going to go from playing a stretch in which you had the Broncos, Texans, Seahawks, and Broncos. And granted, whatever, it's it's any given and Sunday. And then the Raiders. Yeah. And then the Raiders, who they looked good yesterday, but 
they still have nothing really to play for. And then you're going to get the Chargers, Bills, and then Bengals potentially before maybe the 49ers again in the Super Bowl if you're able to make it that far. Like, that is quite an uptick as far as complete mm-hmm. elite teams. And I, I just – hopefully the Chiefs can look a little bit cleaner in all three aspects in that Saturday game against the Raiders because I think that would give you a lot more confidence. Uh, uh, my first matter to take away, I'm going to give my second one first because I think it's more close to yours. I didn't think Patrick Mahomes had a great day. Uh, I had mentioned on Twitter uh, that that he was off his mark, and I got some sassy responses. Some <laughs> some of you agreed with me. Uh, not everyone did. And it made me feel a little bit better when Patrick himself took the podium and was like, I was not great today. What's still amazing about this, though, is the numbers after a not great day for Patrick Mahomes. Right. Like, mm-hmm. You think back to Alex Smith. If I said to you, John, well, man, Alex really didn't have a good day today. I mean, he was probably like, 12 of 22 for 111 maybe he got in the end zone with a with one touchdown might have thrown one interception and that was a bad day for Patrick Mahomes or uh, Alex Smith Patrick Mahomes bad day 29 of 42 for 328 and three touchdowns and a pick it's like but you could see it you could see it and I and uh, a little off and I I wonder Especially in the deep balls, it was it was it was much more the the deep shots, which he noted in the in the presser. He's like, I got to hit those deep shots, but he has seemed a little bit this way since that that thumb issue popped up. And I'm I'm not saying that that it's a it's a problem, but I I, I just wonder if there's something grip wise lingering there on these deep shots, where the deep shots, as you see with people that are successful with them in the NFL, Josh Allen, um, Aaron Rodgers, I mean. The margin is so small. You have to be mm-hmm. right on. You got to lead the guy. And yeah. Mahomes, we've seen in weeks during the year, the Travis Kelsey one comes to mind. I, I forget who it was, but just dropping it right into to his arms over the shoulder. Um, he, I mean, he's usually pretty solid at this. So I just, just wondering out loud if if maybe there's something still bothering him when it comes to more of those deep shots. I think that's fair. Um, I noticed it too. Uh, I think it was the first pass of the game to Marquez Valdez Scantling. He caught the ball, yeah, but he had to spin around to get it because it just wasn't in a place where he could catch it on the run, right? And and then there was another catch that was thrown behind Kelsey. Again, he brought it in, but he had to, you know, manipulate his it. body in order yeah. to do so. And um, and yet at the same time, he made an amazing throw to Justin Watson right. with 11 seconds left in the first half. Um, so, you know, I, it is. And he, odd. Had one, it's he, very he had one. It's very odd. He had one to Kadarius Tony down the sideline, too. It's not like yes. he went 0 for in these these deep, these deep right. opportunities. But right. He just feels a little slightly less uh, efficient mm-hmm. than we've seen yeah. him. And I don't know. I'm just. I, I, and and that, and that's where I go back to the bye week. Like, even for the quarterback, if there is anything, just not having him have to play for a week, mm-hmm. it's just such a huge thing. We'll get into well, some if, more it's, if it is the thumb, then that would certainly help. I'll agree with you there. So, yeah. All right. Let's continue. What else you got, John? Got to talk about special teams again. Mm. I'm tired of it. I'm tired of, of the special teams every... are not special for the Chiefs yeah. right now. Yeah, Far. and I'm I'm tired of people saying that the answer is to fire Dave Tobe. I'm tired of people saying that the answer is to have Chad Henney hold uh, place kicking. 
would be the place kicker's holder. I'm sorry, that's not going to work. It's just not going to happen. Um, Caleb wrote a nice piece about that today that he went into the details about what went wrong with the field goals yesterday, the botched snap, and what turned out to be a blocked field goal, neither one of which was real obvious, or that particular wasn't real obvious at the beginning of the game. Uh, but, you know, it's gotten to the point that it's all running downhill, and, and there's there's a certain momentum to it, to the point that when Kadarius Toney uh, fumbled that ball on a punt return yesterday, people are screaming for Dave Tobe's head. I'm sorry. You can blame Dave Tobe if he puts an inexperienced guy in as a punt returner and he muffs a lot of punts because he hasn't done it very much. Okay, it's fair to blame Tobe for that. But it's not fair to blame Tobe because a wide receiver fumbles the ball while he's running with it. Just because it's on a punting play doesn't make it Dave Tobe's fault. Everybody fumbles the ball once in a while. And everybody who who holds for field goals is going to drop the snap once in a while. You know, I don't think that's a case where Dave Tobe did something wrong. Uh, In fact, it might actually be, as Caleb suggested, that they've been working so hard to get perfect at the holding with Townsend in there that he might have overcompensated and and lost the handle on the ball. So this is, this is where like, this is where if if Dustin Cole quit and, and I'm not talking about his playing career, the greatest punter in chiefs history and Mm -hmm. a a well-deserved decorated career. I think that he should be a ring of honor guy. Right. Yeah, sure. If, if Dustin Cole quit really is a chief supporter and a chiefs fan, this did not help the the team by right. coming out and putting yeah. Tommy under a microscope. Like, if you really wanted Harrison to be successful, I get you're defending your guy, Harrison Butker, is sure. just kicks, whatever, and you want people to know whose fault it is. That, something like that where, and, and Caleb is right, one, one of our great con- new contributors, in, in the fact that once that kicking operation is on somebody's mind and the holder is now yeah. suddenly thinking about holding, this happened to Sky Moore as a returner. Mm-hmm. You start to get in your head a little bit, right? It yeah. leads to to and so that's where I criticize Coldquit. It's like if you're this big ex chief, and I understand you feel a little bit jaded. They went with sure. the kid, and you still wanted to punt, but this did not help the team by coming out and and making this public big stink about how Tommy Townsend is not a good holder. And you can look. I'm not blaming Dustin Coldquit, but. I don't think his his percentage of blame is zero on the the mishap right. with the hold, right? I, right. I think it's something yeah. that is that's clearly under the microscope. Regardless mm-hmm. of this, though, and this leads me into my takeaway of this, they got to fix it. The kicking mm-hmm. operation, and this was a point that I put in my, my rapid reaction, and, and and this goes back to the thirteen seconds thing. We all think about Kelsey and do it, do it, and how Mahomes and Kelsey. There was still a forty-one, what was it, forty-nine yarder that had to be made. Uh, against mm-hmm. the Buffalo Bills to right. send them the overtime to get the coin toss to and no one even thinks about that part of 13 seconds it's all about the grim reaper and yeah but that was a huge part except that at that stage it was a no doubter for Harrison Bucker no one was even thinking about him we are so far from that version yeah. of Harrison Bucker right now and whether it's just him or the whole operation and as you saw last year it can come down to a, a field goal to send it to overtime it could come down to a field goal where you're in a position to win the game and and go on to the next round and i think the confidence is just so low and i think that's tough in entering the playoffs and then another part of the about the marinade takeaway is like 
what the hell is with these turnovers? They just cannot get away from turning the football over. This is a team that only three times this year has been turnover free. Five times they've been with one turnover in the game. And then eight games, half the season, they have turned the football over multiple times. That is fine against the list that I just described to you uh, in, in games against the the Denver Broncos. Maybe you can get away with it in a, in a game against the Houston Texans or the Seattle Seahawks, maybe the Rams. Um, Titans earlier in the year, whatever. When you're playing these playoff teams, if you turn over the football multiple times, there's a pretty good chance you're not going to win. And so mm-hmm. I don't know what the answer is there, but it is clearly a problem that the Chiefs cannot get away from. You mentioned the the Tony fumble. Uh, I tend to think that the Broncos defense, being very specific here, has a little bit of Mahomes' number when it comes to that. He was clean as far as interceptions um, go in the two games following the Broncos before this one uh, at the same time, they just, they just need to do a better job taking care of the football because if they do, if they can manage no turnover, it's very hard to beat this chiefs team. I mean, they're like a well-oiled machine except when they're not. Yeah. And then mm-hmm. you're just <laughs> opening the door yeah. um, to lose in the, in the yeah. postseason. It's not going to cut it in the postseason. You're, you can maybe manage one a game yeah. and it's, mm-hmm. and you're still putting yourself at a big dis- disadvantage. And so, you just would like to see that clean cleaned up, but it, and and you know I don't even know if it's coaching. It's just like hold on to the ball, <laughs> like don't yeah. throw it into danger. I don't. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Well, you know the good news about yesterday's game was that the turnover margin was zero, right? Which hasn't always happened. There have been a lot of these games yeah. where the Chiefs have had some turnovers, and it's been a negative turnover margin, and generally. If you can come back with turners, turnovers of your own, and especially if they lead to points, um, then you're in good shape. The other thing that I thought was a positive about yesterday, yes, there were drives where the defense did not look good. And there was a drive that got extended by a penalty that, and, you know, when that took away an interception. You know, that's not good either. But when Patrick Mahomes intercepted the ball, uh, was intercepted by the Broncos. The Broncos didn't score on the next drive. Right. And part of that was because it was a long drive, but it's also because the defense understood, okay, we've got to stop this drive. We can't let this additional opportunity to possess the ball result in points. And they did that, and that has been a problem uh, during these times the Chiefs have given up a lot of turnovers is that then the other team gets a short field and goes down and scores. And And in fact... When they had the short field on the Tony fumble, it only took one play, right? <laughs> so, because right. they got it on the 16 yard line and, and, and Wilson ran it in. So, um, you know, there were some positives to it, but you're right. Uh, against the best teams, that's going to be a very difficult thing to overcome. I mean, there's just teams that can, can score. I mean, you yeah. just look at Buffalo mm-hmm. and, and, you know, you look at Cincinnati and it, if you're giving them bonus opportunities, you are asking for to to lose a playoff game. All right, John, uh, let's get to your final marinade takeaway from this game. Yeah, well, you know, uh, it's something I've said for a long time. It's just more proof of it. There's no such thing as an easy division game. Um, I know people allowed the point spread to make them think that this was going to be a huge cheese victory, and then it seems real disappointing when they just, you know, eke out a win. Um, and a game that very well could have gone to the Broncos. But, you know, as I pointed out, 
the last time we played the Broncos, the the team had won 14 straight, and half of those games uh, were by seven. Half of those wins were by seven points or less. So now it's a 15 winning, a 15 game winning streak, and eight of those games. <laughs> are by seven points or less. This is just the way it goes. It, the, there will be blowouts sometimes in divisional games, but more often than not, they won't be, uh, especially in the AFC West. Yeah, I, I'm with you. And and I, I think especially in these seasons where some of the AFC West teams have nothing to play for, who are you getting up the most for? It's not the Raiders right. when they play mm-hmm. the Broncos. Or yeah. the, it's, it's when they play the Chiefs or yeah. play the Chargers who are a playoff team. I have a a good news, bad news takeaway for my oh, my final right. one. What what do you want first? The the good news or the bad news? Uh, let's have the bad news. Okay, so I, I might get killed for for as much as fanfare as I got about the cake. I I might get might get killed for this one. I I, I like I hesitate to say this. I think that there I think that Russell Wilson is not completely dead yet. In the sense of I think if they can bring in the right person, I don't think he's ever going to be Super Bowl contender. Russ Wilson but I saw a guy yesterday in person and I and I said okay you can get him in the like 10 to 15 15 to 20 range and with that defense maybe you can win in the NFL Nathaniel Hackett was not the guy um I could be completely wrong about this maybe Russell Wilson is completely dead but I I saw a means to make it passable in in I don't think he I don't think he's just needs to be released like maybe I, we we thought a few weeks I, it seemed like there was some juice that they got from having the interim coach in and i think matching him up with the right type of offensive mind whoever that may be eric Bieniemy or otherwise um i think they could be a an interesting team again with russell wilson still at the helm i think it's an uphill battle but i saw something there yesterday and, and really in these two outings with the chiefs it, Seems like for the most part of the year they got away from what he can do on the ground game, and they need to like lean back into that. And, and again, this is not me saying he is going to be the likes of Burrow and Mahomes and Herbert and whoever else you want to put in that category. But I, I'm seeing I'm seeing somebody who again paired with the right mind can maybe have a little bit of a comeback here, uh, and he certainly needs it. This was a terrible year for Russ Wilson, and certainly the yeah. worst year of his career. And here's the uh, good news: after I, I shared my my take that everyone's going to hate. I think Kadarius Tony is showing that he's a, a first rounder on some of these plays, yeah. a first yeah. round talent. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know if the national audience has maybe recognized the chiefs might've stolen a first, a legit first mm-hmm. round wide receiver. I saw Tyree kill in that 38 yard go back and watch that play and watch him track the ball and watch what he's able to do after. Now, he's not as fast as Tyreek Hill, a little bit different type of receiver. Mm-hmm. What I mean by that is I think the Chiefs have their 2023 deep threat. I know there, there's a lot of people saying that you know they need to go get – that guy might be there. I think the only reason that you haven't seen the production is because of his health. He led the Chiefs in receiving in this game against the Denver Broncos with, with 71 yards. And I, I you know that, that uh, punt return from last week where he reminded me of, of X Factor. I'm just seeing – and it's sporadic here, and it's only flashes right now. But I'm seeing flashes of really special play from Kadarius Tony, and it's whether now the question becomes for me is, can you turn these flashes into an every week consistent thing? And I think the Chiefs think that the coaches can can do that, and I think they feel like they have a, a, a 
golden ticket here. It's something that they stole <laughs> in having this guy for the next couple of years here. And you have a fifth round option because he was a first rounder, right? right. Uh, didn't work in New York for whatever reason, but Hey, throw him away. New York got two picks and I think the chiefs might have their deep threat again. Uh, remains to be seen. The health is a huge question. Can't just assume that with this guy who's been largely right. injured. Um, I think he continues to have to retain Andy Reid's Reed's playbook. That seems to be coming along, but I don't know. Uh, again, what I would what I would point you to do is go watch that thirty eight yarder because he looks legit to me, uh, and, I, and the ceiling is is sky high for me. Well, with regard to your bad news, uh, folks, it's at PG Sween <laughs> on Twitter. Uh, that's that's where uh, you can lodge your complaints. Someone, someone but I'm going to say after someone, pointing that out from wait, my own. Some, I just want to tell you, someone outright on Twitter yesterday told me, shut up, Pete. So uh, <laughs> it was a good day on Twitter for me. Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, having said that, however, I think I, I think I see that, too, because we saw Russell Wilson make some very savvy moves in these games where he did really smart things that come from his experience. I've seen more than one person say, you know, now that I've seen Russell Wilson play some someplace else, I have a lot more respect for Pete Carroll mm -hmm. because Pete Carroll was able to use him effectively. And so I think that leads to your conclusion that the right guy could make Russell Wilson effective in Denver, effective enough to be maybe <laughs> someday – uh, sort of worth the money they're paying for him. I thought it was a bad move right away. I thought it was too much money for what they were getting for you yeah, know, an aging I mean, quarterback and all that. And he'll, but, he'll never, I don't think he'll ever be worth that money. But yeah. Because he, they paid him that much, they need to find a way to make this work. Right. And I think right. it's workable. That's right. That was my yeah. point. I, I think they can find a way to where it won't be a franchise crippling disaster. But yeah. that's going to depend on finding the right coach and the right combination of coaches, however they work it, to make Wilson get back up to what his current ceiling uh, is. Now, on your good news, man, I agree. And I think that one of the things that's interesting about this is that we have seen Brett Veach go after these former first-round picks who haven't panned out in other places, you know, players, players like Josh Gordon, um, and it hasn't really worked out all that well. No. But the fact of the matter is that it's not going to work all that well most of the time. You know, if a, if a certain number of first-round picks are not going to work out in the NFL, that's just the, that's just the statistical fact. Could it be that they would work better in a different system with, with a, a coach and a system that would be, you know, more their speed? Absolutely. That's always a possibility. But you can't find that out until you try. So what the Chiefs are doing here is, you know, investing in these guys with very little capital and hopefully once in a while finding one. And we've seen several that didn't work out. And I think that's about what you should expect. And now we found one that did. So, you know, they're going to keep doing it because we know Brett Veach loves to do this, but it really be, shouldn't be something that we make jokes about because sometimes, like this time, it looks like it could pay off. These darts that he's thrown, largely, they've brought back okay production, whereas mm -hmm. I think you're right. I, I think that this one 
finally feels like maybe he's he's gonna hit the bullseye. Um, mm-hmm. And I think to maybe feel that way is is why he has this strategy because mm-hmm. you know one day you're gonna hit the bullseye and you're gonna look really smart because of it. I I, I think the Chiefs will benefit a, a tremendous amount if Tony is able to stay healthy throughout the. But there will be more misses. You know, that's just the way, you know, it's not, yeah. this doesn't mean that he's always going to hit the rest of them. Well, There's going to be they more told, misses. Yeah. They told Shaquille O'Neal to shoot, keep shooting those free throws. Right. Uh, eventually <laughs> one of them is going to go in. All right. Those are our marinated takeaways for this chief's 27 to 24 win over the Denver Broncos. We'll keep these marinated takeaways coming, including next Monday on the dreaded cake episode uh, of the Arrowhead pride editor show. When we come back, we will do our news roundup and finish up with a flash Twitter poll right here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show. Back here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show, we are into the new year. Last week, we did an abbreviated show. This week, we have the full lineup for you. That, of course, includes our news roundup, which was actually heading into this Chiefs and Broncos matchup. And we got some bad news toward the end of the week, John, with with McCole Hardman and, and suffering a setback. Really, it's been a while, I feel like, since we've had a lot of bad injury news. And, and we got quite a few things to talk about this week. But starting with McCole Hardman, two weeks in a row now, the Chiefs were optimistic, it seemed, earlier in the week, only to say, no, Hardman's not ready yet. Where this becomes interesting, as you know, John, is the Wednesday deadline. Yeah, um, it's going to be, wow. Yeah, this is going to be a weird situation here because if he's not ready, uh, do the Chiefs make a projection that he might be ready for the postseason and decide to use a, a roster spot for him and keep him inactive until he can play? Because they could do that. He doesn't have to pass some NFL physical or anything. The team just has to say, yeah, we're ready to put him back on the roster. So they might do that, but... I don't know if that's a smart move to make as you're going into the postseason. I just don't know. People, this would be a place where people could would have room to disagree. I think and have strong arguments. Well, you're also seeing the emergence of Sky Moore, and this was another tweet I got, and I thought it was right. And I'm sorry, I don't remember who it's from, but but it, it was a fan that was disgruntled that it took the Chiefs until. X week of not having McCole Hardman to give Sky Moore some opportunities, and Sky Moore looks pretty good. I, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. it looks like a player that should have gotten more opportunities a little bit earlier, <laughs> you know. And Maybe so, he wouldn't have done as well. You're sacrif- you're you're potentially sacrificing one of those roster spots for a guy that you're not really sure is going to be ready. Mm-hmm. Um, and and what you have, a, you know, I just went on my spiel about Tony, so I don't have to go back into that. But you also have a player in Moore who can do a lot of the same things I, I think that Hardman offers you now Hardman's probably the best at all you know the, the types of looks that the Chiefs give him because he's done them so much over the years but I it's an interesting scenario and, and it's going to matter how much uh, Hardman was going to be set back what we're talking about here is he was on injured reserve the Chiefs started his 21 day window so the mm-hmm. player can practice while they're still on reserve at the deadline which is this Wednesday you have to either activate him to the 53 man roster or he stays on injured reserve for good and what's wild about this for the player in particular is we're talking about a guy whose contract is up. So mm-hmm. if they weren't to activate McCole Hardman. We have, we could have potentially seen him the last we ever have in a Chiefs yeah. uniform. And that's mm-hmm. very real because of the wide receiver market. And I, I think 
what Hardman is going to be seeking, what he wants, what the Chiefs may want to give him, maybe the opportunity. And so all eyes on Transaction Wednesday, as they say. We'll see if the Chiefs do end up activating Hardman, even if he can't practice. Because remember, Andy, this was an abdomen issue, but Andy cited a groin. So it might have been something different entirely. Really, It's just like a, it's a very muddled situation that we don't yeah. know a lot about. Uh, it will come to some kind of, um, I guess, it'll, it'll be resolved in, in some capacity, I guess, on Wednesday, where we'll see how the Chiefs truly feel about this injury when they have to make a move. He hasn't been on the injury report because you don't have to put guys that are on injury reserve on the injury report. There are three other injuries to talk about. Also not good. Talked about Sky Moore and how good he looked. He had a lacerated hand. That, to me, is better than a fracture. I'm not yeah. our, our injury expert, Dakota. I am not a doctor, believe it or not, John, but I feel like a laceration is better than <laughs> yeah. a fracture. Uh, so yeah. we'll see what, what's happening with Sky Moore. I, I, I think imagine. it may depend some on the laceration, too. But uh, It seemed yeah. pretty <laughs> serious because they ruled him out very quickly. Which right, they did. It alerted me mid-game because I'm like, oh, that had to have been a fracture, right? But better news that it, it's a laceration. I don't know how bad it is. I guess we'll find out more as we go. This is a bad one. Joe Tooney re-injured his ankle, and that cost him two games earlier in the year. The Chiefs are certainly a weaker defensive or offensive line with Nick Allegretti in over Tooney. And I imagine if it's a re-injury, sometimes it can be worse. So this is another let's go Bengals moment. You're going to really want to have to not have to play a game on wildcard weekend because I am very uncertain about the status of Joe Tooney now that he's re-injured his right ankle. Yeah, I'm not as worried about Nick Allegretti as you seem to be. Um, I think he's played pretty well when he's had to go in there, but... Is he I as think, good as Nick? Is he as good as Joe Tooney? No, he's not. Here's what I here's where I'm at with Allegretti, <laughs> yeah. right? I think Allegretti is a fine replacement for Joe Tooney. I think he's good in the spot start. He was a, a starter for the Chiefs before. I think I think Orlando Brown Jr. plays better next to Tooney. Right. I agree. Yeah. And so it's more of a spillage of mm-hmm. replacing the trickle down, as they say. What did I say? Spillage. A trickle down of the a weaker offensive line. So we'll see. Um, again, I'm I'm not I'm not too too optimistic there. At least for for the coming game against the Raiders, and then I guess we'll see if the Chiefs are able to get a bye. Maybe there is room for him to play in the divisional round. Again, that's something to monitor. And then Legarius Sneed, Ian Rappaport came out and said that he is the dreaded day to day with a hip pointer. <laughs> but Sneed stayed in the game after after taking a big right. time lick against Cortland Sutton on the interception return. So I don't know. Of all of these, I, I think Snead is the most likely to play next week. We'll see on more. Um, this is my optimism ranking, rankings, power rankings of optimism. Snead, more Hardman and Tooney for playing next week. Yeah, that makes sense to me. Yeah. Okay. We had two uh, Orlando Brown. Oh, wait, I want to, one more point on Snead. Um, Snead has he shadowed DK Metcalf, and oh, he was yeah. doing a bit of shadowing mm-hmm. of Cortland Sutton um, in yesterday's game. I, Really quick point here. I just think that'll be a huge weapon for the Chiefs when they do face these top receivers in the playoffs. Uh, Steve Spagnuolo hasn't always leaned into shadowing. I think part of it is because Trent McDuffie is five feet eleven. Uh, that they're doing this now, and it, in, it's more about bigger receivers than it is about skilled. Although a lot of times those go hand in hand, uh, right. but I just think it's such a weapon for the Chiefs to be able to shadow top receivers with Legarius Sneed. I thought it was interesting that Spagnolo made a point of saying, no, we don't stay away from that. And he was asked directly about it. Oh, you know, this isn't something that I don't want to do. Uh, I thought that was an some... odd moment because they, 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 yeah. it seems like they do, but 
what Spags, I think, was saying was that it really hasn't been on purpose. It's just... Right, right, right. That's what I found interesting about it, is that he's he's saying, well, yeah, we just haven't chosen to do it, perhaps because of the players they have. So what's, to me, the nice thing about this is that we've seen that they have players who can be shadows if that's what will work best against a particular opponent. And I think that's really good news. All right. We talked about Orlando Brown. We had two articles on Brown um, this week. One was from Brian Stewart reviewing his play. And Brian, one of our film analysts, his take was that Brown seems to get better as the season goes along. And then I believe it was a a day later or two days later, Price Carter, one of our uh, analysts said, let's face the truth about uh, Orlando Brown and, and kind of saying the same thing where he has these late season pushes where he starts to look like the left tackle that mm-hmm. wants to and maybe deserves to be paid a little bit higher. Man, we are on a track to the same thing this offseason, aren't we? With Orlando Brown mm-hmm. Jr. where left some room to be desired in the early in the season, but played better as the year went along. I imagine he'll have a nice postseason too, and then you're left with the decision, well, how much money do you want, man? Because if you still want to be paid the highest left tackle in the league, we're probably not there. Uh, you know, is there going to be a willingness for the Chiefs to to push because maybe the, the salary cap expands and maybe you could, you have more money to, mm-hmm. to vote to Orlando Brown? I still don't think they're going to make him the highest paid left tackle in the league. So is he thinking that? Or I, I just, my take right now is we're heading to the same exact annoying right. story to cover at OurHeadPride.com this summer, John. <laughs> Yeah, it just it just won't go away, will it? We can't just have no. some closure on this no. and move on to some other story about Dave Tobe. I mean, you know, right. come on. Yeah. So right. uh well, it's, you know, there's one good thing about this is that you could make the argument that Orlando Brown Jr has not been in a position to turn in a good season from start to finish. In either one of his seasons in Kansas City, he was coming into a new system that was probably dramatically different than what he was accustomed to when he came here off the trade. And then in his second season, he wasn't in training camp because of the salary thing. And I don't think that was a good decision on his part. If I were in his shoes, I would have figured out some way to make all the, you know, just say, okay, let's just do the franchise tag and be done with it. I want to get to camp and get to work, you know, but he didn't choose to do that. And with that decision, then he missed out on, you know, some development that might have helped him at the beginning of the year. So he did. I wonder how this looks, you know, yeah. going into training camp next year. He did improve his tennis skills. We did see yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, the, the lefty. <laughs> Orlando Brown Jr., but yeah, no, no training camp and, and off season for him. I, I I do think that hurts, right? Because yeah, what are we talking about? We're we're talking about him yeah. playing better at the end. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe if you had been around for the team workouts, maybe that that being better would have clicked in in the second quarter of the season. Right. Speaking of offensive lineman, Chief Center Creed Humphrey on the Pro Bowl nod, he says, hopefully we're in Arizona. Creed is just playing the hits when it comes to the yeah. fan base. Good for you, Creed. <laughs> He got the whole Creed is good campaign going for him last year. This year, he's making the the same joke that every fan makes when we talk about the Pro Bowl. By the way, they're not. It's not the Pro Bowl anymore. It's called the Pro Bowl Games, like the Olympic Games, because there's no. Oh, the game was so embarrassing last year that they have canceled it, and it is now a skills weekend, which makes a ton of sense. There was no reason to continue doing yeah. what they were doing when mm-hmm. it came to the Pro Bowl. So good for Creed for for playing to the fan base. 
Travis Kelsey confirmed and sort of confirmed. He left a little he left it a little bit gray, but yeah. it basically mm-hmm. said to his knowledge, Andy Reid is still calling the plays. I have said this time and time again. I think Eric Bieniemy is part of the process, the game planning and game strategy process. I I have remained pretty confident that it's been Andy Reid for for most of this time calling the plays in. I you know I think it's sort of this four headed monster. When I talk about four headed monster, it's Mahomes, Reid, Bieniemy, and Nagy. But I think ultimately Andy is is making the calls. Uh, Travis Kelsey said on New Heights that 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 is to his knowledge, and I think he would he would know. Um, yeah. What is happening mm-hmm. as well? Well, I, I think it's obvious. Uh, I think the enemy has made this point multiple occasions that Reed has the 51 percent vote. And yeah. that's the that's the bottom line is. And that's you've made that point as well, is that Andy Reed is the guy who's calling the shots on this team, maybe right. even as far as Brett Veach, you know, certainly has a lot of influence on Veach because of the long relationship that they've had. So I, th- I think there yeah, are moments so- where where Reed says, Eric. That's a good idea. Let's go with it. I yeah. think there are moments when Brett comes to him with Kadarius Tony, and Andy says, hell yeah, let's do it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I also think there are moments when Eric says, let's call this. And Andy says, no, we're going to pass the ball three times uh, yeah. at the 10 yard line. <laughs> and I think right. there are times when <laughs> Brett says, let's trade the first rounder again. And Andy says, no, we maybe should keep the first rounder this year. Yeah. Like I, I think there's a little bit of, of both that, that to me is my understanding of how this whole thing. I think works. that's accurate. I think because that 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 makes that makes all that we know fit, you right. know, and and we and we've been given a lot of conflicting information, so it's got to be something that it's in itself is kind of conflicted. So I think that's I think you're interpreting it correctly. Justin Reed says the Chiefs don't have rookies anymore, and to the first speaking of first rounders, Trent McDuffie and George Karloftis do not look like rookies. They look like veterans, and the Chiefs need that. Right now, same thing with Isaiah Pacheco. I mean, they're getting the, this play from these rookies. And when you're in a transition year like this, where you have to have young players play well, uh, I think you could probably put Tony in that mix in his second year, uh, you know, even though it's via trade. Um, what an advantage that is for having your rookies playing like veterans. And I think you could say that about all those guys. And even even to an extent now of of the ones we mentioned, these two guys are they they're a little bit worse. And so I'm, I'm going to be clear of that, but I, I think the amount of snaps you've been able to get from Watson and Williams, that mm-hmm. tandem has been, been strong. That's important. Yeah, I'm sorry. My, my eyes kind of glazed over there because I was thinking about a Dave Tobe point there. <laughs> you are, you are on a Dave Tobe tangent right now. <laughs> well, it's just, you know, I, I, I think he's getting a raw deal. I think he deserves some of it. I think he deserves maybe more than some I of think it, maybe most the, of it, but my he doesn't deserve on... all of it. My take on Dave Tobe is like, this is why Andy Reid is always coming to the podium and saying it's all about next week, right? We're always asking him, mm-hmm. hey, how satisfied are you? like, well, we got to play next week and see how it goes. Because Dave Tobe's been so good <laughs> for all these years. Really, I mean, you talk about uh, um, Chiefs special teams, and this has been a tough season for a lot of reasons, but you don't get, you don't get a lot of time in the NFL to correct the to correct things mm. uh and i think a lot of it hasn't been his fault you know i just think it's been and the players don't get blamed because special teams is always one of those parts of the game where you're really only focusing on it when it's negative rare that you're like man their and, coverage and, on special teams is amazing like when are you saying that no it's only when you let up a touchdown or if you're returning the ball you you fumble it then you're you know 
I don't know. I'm just, but he, I think that, he's largely been good for the Chiefs. Yeah, I think that one of the things that people have trouble grasping is how to compare the rest of the special team's job with the rest of the year, with the rest of the league, I should say. Yeah. It's easy to say, yeah, you know, they should they should always fair catch the punts or they should always let the, the kickoffs go into the end zone and they start at the 25-yard line. Okay, that's easy to say. And it's easy to say that they should never run it out. But how do other teams do when they do that? And more importantly, how do other teams do when they're playing the Chiefs? And that's all part of the equation with special teams. And, you know, you may think that 10 yards isn't a big deal, but that's a whole series of downs, which could make the difference in a particular drive. And that's why Tobe's units have been good over the years is because he knows that that's a big chunk of what the unit does. It's not just about the punt returns and the kickoff returns and the field goals. There's a lot of things that are a lot of pieces that that have to be turning the right way for him to do a great job. And it's harder when all of a sudden you've got a whole bunch of rookies on the team. And that's what I was, you know, thinking, staring are you good here? Space, are we, thinking about, can, yeah. Are we, are we, do we, do we have any other toe points before we, no, we, no, we close now. down on I'm uncle Dave? Yeah. Okay. All right. No more uncle Dave talk <laughs> next week. Jarek McKinnon's late season surge is back for 2022. Jarek McKinnon actually yesterday with those two receiving touchdowns clinched the receiving touchdown record for running backs in a single mm-hmm. season for Kansas cool. city with eight Jamal Charles and Kareem hunt each had seven in respective seasons. So McKinnon continues to roll along. I called him last week, the chiefs finally their, their, their third weapon um, that they've been looking for beyond Kelsey and Juju. I, I think the next guy is McKinnon wild that it's your backup third down pass catching running back, but it's undeniable. He is just so good for Kansas city and, and they certainly needed that Dave Merritt, the defensive backs coach said that the defensive backs have continually improved. You have continued to see a, a rotation of Watson and Williams. John, you do our snap counts. Um, this has been interesting because I, mm-hmm. I think yeah. sometimes when you look at rookies and trying to earn your stripes, so to speak, eventually one takes the lead over another and teams don't really look back. But Dave Merritt was forthcoming and being like, well, we like, different players when it comes to Watson and Williams for different matchups. And, mm-hmm. and yeah. you continue to see that it, it was Watson getting the start against the, the Broncos. Yeah. We've been, we've been seeing this all year that, you know, one player seems to have, uh, have, have taken the lead and being the guy that the chiefs are going to count on. And then a week or two later, it's the other guy. And then it goes back and forth and, and Merritt made it pretty clear that that's going to keep happening that they like the fact that they can do this and use a particular player in a particular situation or against a particular matchup or whatever. So, um, you know, uh, they the, the defense under Spagnolo loves to keep the other guy guessing on this kind of stuff. This is the whole concept behind the, the NASCAR package, too, is that, the you know, all of a sudden you got all these defensive ends on the line. <laughs> What's going to happen next? And this is kind yeah. of the same thing in the secondary. Joe Cullen basically making the entire line positionless, and you don't know who's coming when. Right. It, mm-hmm. You've you've seen that that's paid off dividends. Now you just need to see it against um, everyone's favorite today, the Cincinnati Bengals. When the, you know when they play the Chiefs again, not, not tonight. You want to have all the time in the world for Joe Burrow tonight. Juju Smith-Schuster says <laughs> that playing with Patrick Mahomes is like playing Madden. So I guess now I finally know what it's like to play with Patrick Mahomes. Thank you to Juju uh, for for telling me that. <laughs> 
he's a guy that wants to stay here. I, that's why I brought this point up, John. I, and I, I, I hope the Chiefs find a way to do it because I, I think it's been a good fit. Yeah, kind of surprisingly, actually, uh, I wasn't sure this was really going to work out. And I, and I, if you had asked me, I would have said that he would have been the short yardage guy, and we would have been depending on uh, Valdez Scantling for the deep balls and stuff. And and they that to a certain extent that has been what's happening, but. Um, Juju has been a more of an all-around receiver than I expected him to be. And uh, and I'm very pleased by that because – and he seems to be very happy here. Um, and, you know, his demeanor is different, which was a point that, uh, that Ron made in his uh, Five Things We Learned About the Game article this morning uh, was that, you know, Smith-Schuster was kind of seen as a diva in pittsburgh but you don't see that with him at all now he's here to win games and i think that's significant i agree and i i tend to think they'll figure something out i i think he'll be yeah. here in 2023 i don't know what the deal will look like i don't know how many years it will be three three or four years feels right for maybe a little bit less than what would be the market high for receivers and i, I tend to think he'll be here all right i put up a flashbulb before we got started john i love i love doing this to you i i put up Monday night football predictions. Bills in a blowout. Uh, Bills in a close one. Bengals in a close one. Bengals in a blowout. What do you think the Chiefs fan base, having voted over 2,000 times, believes is going to happen tonight? Uh, well, I think they're calling for a Bengals win, but probably a close game. That's correct. You know your Arrowhead Pride fan base, John. Not always. <laughs> Bengals in a close one. Don't say the T word. Bengals in a close one. 70.5%. Uh, of the votes went to Bengals in the close one. Next up was Bills in the close one. I know we got some pessimistic fans slash some fans that love them a reverse jinx. So they voted for Bills in the close one, <laughs> 20.6%. Next is Bengals in a blowout. Some really optimistic Chiefs fans, 5.2%. Only 3.7% believe the Bills will win in a blowout. So largely about three-fourths of the fan base is going for Bengals in a close one. I tend to agree. That's what I have to. I think we're going to get a good game on Monday night, but yeah. I think the Bengals ultimately pull it out. And that's that's not trying to be biased or really rooting hard for a a bye week for us at Arrowhead Pride. But I really feel like the Bengals can figure this out at home. A two and a half point spread. So we will see how this thing goes uh, in Cincinnati on Monday night. The Chiefs certainly could use that Bengals win. All right. Well, we have gotten through our Arrowhead Pride editor show, the first of 2023. Can you believe it's 2023? It's amazing, it. but it is. It's amazing. Uh, it's been a, a a full year. We have one more regular season game left. Remember, that's coming up on Saturday at 3.30 p.m. So everything this week is is a step ahead. It's a day ahead, uh, crunched into one. And then, John, we'll get to sit back and enjoy some Sunday football um, and, and relax for a change on, on Sunday, which will be nice for us. But uh, keep it locked in at ArrowheadPride.com for all your Chiefs updates. We have a lot of injuries to watch this week. We'll have our, our full podcast lineup back for you and then uh, it will all lead into the the cake monday cake and energy drink monday on january 9th where i will eat a full ice cream cake and drink an energy drink by the end of the show um not something i'm looking forward to but you know what you guys deserve it we're at 1022 reviews and counting if you leave a review on the Airhead Pride Podcast Network, we will eventually read it on this show. Remember, all these reviews that are coming up for the cake will read at the end 
of next week's show. So for Steve Serta behind the glass and John Dixon, my name is Pete Sweeney. Thank you for joining us on another edition of the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show. Support for this show comes from Fundrise. Buy low, sell high. It's easy to say, hard to do. For example, high interest rates are crushing the real estate market right now. Demand is dropping and prices are falling, even for many of the best assets. It's no wonder the Fundrise flagship fund plans to go on a buying spree, expanding its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. You can add the Fundrise flagship fund to your portfolio in just minutes and with as little as $10 by visiting Fundrise.com Fox. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise flagship fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at Fundrise.com flagship. This is a paid advertisement. Support for this show comes from Vanta. Dealing with loads of spreadsheets, juggling different tools, and having to do manual security checks, it can be a headache to keep up with today's compliance and security programs. Vanta is the trust management platform that wants to simplify things and bring all your trust-building efforts under one roof, making growth smoother for your whole organization. Vanta lets you automate up to 90% of compliance for SOC 2, ISO 27001, HIPAA, and more. Strengthen security posture and reduce third-party risk. Get $1,000 off Vanta when you go to vanta.com slash vox. That's V-A-N-T-A dot com slash vox for $1,000 off Vanta.